0: Good morning. It's wonderful to see you here. It's a joy to be here to be able to share with you from the Word of God. Um, have not even got to meet your pastor yet, talk to him on the phone, but uh, I know he's enjoying a little bit of time off, and we all need that from time to time. And so uh, we're grateful he could get that today. Now, uh, When we think about New Year's, one of the things that normally comes to our mind is change. And change is important. Now, we kind of laugh about resolutions because we usually make them and break them in the same month. You know, we don't keep them that well. And when we think about change that needs to happen in our life, it's important to consider the spiritual. Uh, I, I know there's not a bulletin or something. That if you've got a piece of paper you can write on or and got a pencil or a pen, or if you just want to file it mentally. Now, you know, they say what you put up here never, you don't ever lose it, but I'm having trouble finding some of the files now. I, I don't know if y'all are that way or not, but, uh, okay, all right. But anyway, any rate, uh, if you have something to write on, if you just want to think about it, I want you to think about it throughout the the, the sermon here. Think about what would God... I know y'all have been doing, and talking to your pastor, y'all have been doing some vision casting and where you want to go, and that's that's so important. But the strength of who you are as a church... Is affected by who you are personally, and so the changes that God wants to make in our lives is important. Now, I want you to think of one or two, if you can. If you can't, if you don't know of anything right off, uh, you know this is the time of year in our culture for uh, New Year's resolutions. In fact, it was funny. David and I were. Uh, driving over here, we, we're from Stewart. Let me just introduce my wife, Debbie. I, I, she doesn't like the limelight, but just wave at them, Debbie. She's, uh, she's right here with me. She's, she's my sweetheart. I'll tell you what, I, I, uh, we uh, met in church. You know, that's a great place to meet uh, a mate, is in church. Now, I, I will have to say, we were 13 when we met, and she was not impressed. And frankly, I don't, I don't really blame her, but uh, I, I kind of got like fungus. I grew on her, and uh, we wound up getting married, and I'm grateful for her. She's with me today. But uh, as we, uh, I, I was getting ready to say as we were coming into town, we, I, right there at 81, there's this big sign, you know, it says, resolve to put down the phone. And I'm thinking, boy, that would really bother my my son. He can't live without his phone in his hand in front of his face hardly. I mean, he drives without it, of course, because that's the, the law. But if if it weren't, he would be looking at it even then probably. But uh, when we think about change, I want us to think about lasting change. You know, it's one thing to know that I need to change. Let's just say uh, I don't want to trip over anything here today, but let's just say that I'm walking this direction, and right here is a cliff. And I'm walking toward it, and my mind tells me I need to change. And, you, and you know, I, I even might even say, you know, I really need to change. I really need to change direction. If I don't change, it doesn't do a whole lot of good, does it? So it's not enough to know that we've got to change. We're going to talk about that in in just a minute. But let's, if you have a Bible or uh, you want to just listen, our text is found in uh, one of the prophetic books, Joel chapter 2, verses 12 through 18. Now, I love the Word of God, and I, I try to honor it. So If you can, if you're able to, now if you can't, it's fine. But those of us who are able, let's stand for the reading of the Word of God. I'm going to read through this passage, and then we're going to walk through it together, okay? I'm going to begin in verse 12. You just uh, read and uh, listen to me read as I begin in verse number 12. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, And rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And he relents over disaster. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Consecrate a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the people Consecrate the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children, even nursing infants. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Between the vestibule and the altar, let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep and say, Spare your people, O Lord, and make not your heritage a reproach a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, Where is their God? Then the Lord became Jealous for his land, and had pity on his people, thank you, and be seated, please now, let's join our hearts together in prayer and ask God to speak to us we I, so so appreciate the the music ministry there was a uh, I kind of took the scenic route to the pastoral ministry. I was a minister of music and youth for ten years before I became a pastor and I so appreciate the way the music helps prepare us for God's word. But let's take a minute and allow God to speak to our hearts as we pray together. Father, thank you for today. Everyone here is important. They're not here by accident. I believe it's by your design. And Lord, I'm grateful to be here. And I pray, Lord, that you will guide my mind and my mouth that I'll say all you want me to say and nothing you don't. Help us to learn together and help us to determine to serve you in a greater way as we start a new year. There have been so many challenges, especially the last couple. But, Lord, use your word and the power of the Spirit of God to change our lives. Help it to be lasting change. We ask this. In Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. Well, there's a Chevrolet pickup, but it's not just a, a, any Chevrolet pickup. That Chevrolet pickup has been driven more than a million, that's with an M, a million miles. Now, if you're Ford lovers, you're thinking, how in the world did that thing last that long? And you know, my dad was a Ford man. I'm for whatever's on sale. You know, and, and a good deal. But uh, I do drive Chevrolets, interestingly enough, right now. So, at any rate, do you know what that guy said the, the key was for that truck going a million miles? So he's from Wisconsin. He said regular oil changes and regular maintenance. Now, you may be thinking, well, duh, (laughs) that's pretty basic. But think about how important it is even for us, spiritually, how important change is. I think it was Dr. Henry Blackaby in his great course Experiencing God says, you can't stay where you are and go with God at the same time. God is forever surprising us with change. Now, some changes we have nothing to deal with. I mean, we didn't have a part in them coming into our lives. Others we do, and and that's where we want to talk about. In fact, uh, there was actually a couple here that had a truck that went 1.2 million miles. So uh, changing the oil was a key element, according to this fellow in Wisconsin, and change in our life is also a key element. Now, the fact is... That some people embrace change, but it is human nature to only embrace what we like. Is it not? You know, some changes we kind of like and they just kind of bless us. And then there's other change we really don't like. This past year has been a difficult one in my family, uh, my extended family. I have a cousin I've been very close to over the years. Uh, She's the same age as I am, who lost her husband to COVID this year. And uh, this was her first Christmas without him. And um, there are lots of things going on in life that could discourage us. But God does not want us to live in fear. He does not want us to live discouraged. I'm not saying it won't happen, uh, but... In this passage, it's set against, I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about the prophetic aspects of this book, uh, not even a whole lot of time talking about the historical elements, except to say it was a tough time. God's hand of judgment was on the nation Israel. And by the way, just so we can remember, help us remember this year to pray for America, God judges countries while they exist. You know, we're all facing what some call judgment day, you know, going to be with the Lord and and we're going to stand before him and give an account for our lives. But that's later. But he judges nations while they exist. And uh, that helps drive me to my knees to pray for America. The fact is we all need change, even though a lot of times we resist it. But Joel says in here that God wants lasting change. And he wants that in us today. Well, how do we do that? I'm going to use three key words. Now, here's the first one to help us kind of remember what we walked through together today. The first one is choice. Now, again, some of the things I say today will be duh kind of things. They're simple, but they are profound. And you know, there are some people, it's interesting, we'll spend a a lot of time dealing with, You know, our um, job or uh, at school or uh, university or uh, our family. And all those things are important. I'm not saying they're not. But sometimes we can kind of be slack, I guess is the word I want to say, spiritually. Now, I realize I'm talking to you and you're here. You know, the others that aren't here. You know, I, I uh, heard about a fellow that every time he'd go out, he'd tell, he'd tell the pastor, if it had been here, you'd have gotten told. You know, so, uh, but this is for us because we all need to hear it. And I'm going to talk about three key words to help us walk through this together. First one is choice. We need to make a deliberate, conscious choice or decision. If we're going to have lasting change, as God impresses things on our minds and our hearts, as we hear the Word of God preached, or as we are in a Sunday school class uh, discussing stuff, or even in our personal quiet time at home, God impresses things on us, and we must start with a choice. Now, yet even now, conveys Joel's sense of urgency here I mean they were experiencing God's judgment they had gone through a terrible locust plague now we don't have a whole lot of that in our country but I mean when your economy is largely based on agricultural things locusts can be devastating devastating and they're, they're dealing with something that's beyond their control. I mean, this COVID has, I mean, none of us would have believed uh, two and a half years ago, three years ago, that would be, I mean, it's changed everything, has it not? I mean, we're, we're all uh, even hesitant to shake hands, and I understand that. That's why I do the elbow bump or the fist bump or something, you know, because uh, we, we've got to be so careful. But the point I'm wanting us to understand here is that change, the choice needs to be deliberate. Now, some choices don't really matter. I don't know how you rung in the new year. As we get older, uh, we just stay home and don't even see the new year sometimes uh, right off the bat. Uh, we go to bed fairly early sometimes, Um uh, and some of those choices we make don't matter because they're about personal choice. Let me give you some examples. When you think of New Year's Eve, what do you think of? Well, you may think of the, the, the ball drop in New York City. Uh, and I was reading some this week. It's interesting how other cities do things differently. Uh, Las Cruces, New Mexico, will drop, dropped uh, an oversized illuminated chili pepper. And, and, um, of course, Atlanta, Georgia. Some of them make sense. It was a giant peach. For um, Idaho, uh, many of the cities would use large potatoes. And Panama City, Florida, dropped an 800-pound illuminated beach ball. The one that really got me was Lebanon, Pennsylvania. They dropped baloney. And in fact, it's actually they've scaled it back. They used to drop a 12-foot, 200-pound custom-made piece of bologna. That's quite a sandwich, isn't it? I'm thinking, what happens when it hits the bottom? I don't know. But at any rate, those kinds of decisions don't matter so much. <clears throat> They're about personal taste. But friends, the decisions we make spiritually, can last for eternity. Am I willing to change my mind as God directs me? Are you? If God told you to do something different, now, friend, you have to understand, as a pastor, and I, I've been a pastor for several years, and, of course, as he said, I'm, re, I'm retired now. But I would not have given you great odds for me to be a pastor when I was younger. Now, When Debbie met me when I was 13, I was kind of a clown. Uh, you know, I cut up. I think she married me because I make her laugh so much. But at any rate, it's important that we understand who we are. And, you know, I'm not a type A like a lot of pastors, and I'm not knocking that. God needs type A's. But God uses all kinds. God desires to use you in this church. If God has placed you here, then you need to be involved in the work of God. Together, for His glory. Change is the first step. But if you're going to have lasting change, it's also... About correction. Because if God change, wants to change something in my life, it's for his glory and my good. It's a correction. Now, you know, we try to change differently sometimes. We try to to change outwardly without changing the inside if we're not careful. Uh, you know, I was talking about how... Uh, some people want to kind of be lax spiritually, just kind of, I call it floating. I actually had a deacon one time to tell me, and he was serious. He was a wonderful man, loved him. He loved the Lord. I didn't get mad or anything, but he, he said, you know, you sure are doing a lot of planning. He said, I just think we'll let the Spirit work and, and just go with the flow. Well, let me ask you a question. If you're sitting in a canoe in a fast-flowing river, What do you got to do to go downstream? Nothing. Just sit there. You'll go downstream. Friends, spiritually, if you want to go upstream, you got to paddle. It takes effort to serve the Lord, but it's worth worth it. Now, what does a course correction require? Well, there's genuine repentance. Now, let's go back to the text here. Yet even now declares the Lord, return to me. Now, he doesn't just say return to me. He says return to me with all your heart. Of course, biblically, when we're talking about the heart, we're talking about the seed of our will, intellect, and emotions. You know, I I blow people's minds sometimes when I talk about how uh, love is first biblically an act of the will. You say, what? Well, let's take a famous verse. God so loved the world that he had a great feeling. Is that what it says? Nope, he gave. Action word. Friend, action is important. But sometimes we get doing in front of being. If my mind is right, if my attitude is right, Doing naturally follows, and it's right. Now, this course correction requires what I'm going to call genuine repentance. He says, return to me with all your heart. And notice the things he mentions, fasting, weeping, mourning. Those are things that show passion and genuine sorrow, godly sorrow. In fact, he says, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Now, why did he say that? Because in their culture, if you uh, grieved, it was customary to tear your clothes. Now, (laughs) if we were to do that, somebody would think we'd lost it. It's, It's not part of our culture, but it was theirs. But what would happen is they'd put on a show and tear their clothes when they really didn't mean it. You know? You don't want to get doing in front of being because it requires a corrected attitude. See, God works from the inside out. That's where lasting change comes from, inside out. He changes our mind. In fact, there's a a word that's used in the New Testament that we don't use much anymore in our language. It's the word repent. Repent. Now, I wonder if there are any parents here or grandparents that said to your children or grandchildren this past week, Repent! Let me see if I see any hands. I don't see any. Now, some people say, Don't use that word because people don't know what it is. Well, I understand being relevant, but repentance biblically is a beautiful, beautiful thing. He says, Turn to me with all your heart. It needs to be passionate. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 30, it says, When you're in tribulation, he's talking to Israel, and all these things come upon you in the latter days, you'll return to the Lord your God and obey his voice. Listen to this. For the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not leave you or destroy you or forget the covenant with your fathers that he swore to them. See, he's not saying that tearing your clothes is wrong. It just shouldn't be for show. You know, we, we can go to church, we can smile, we can sing the, the songs like we mean them and our, and our heart be far from the Lord. It's important that we begin with our minds, but that we continue. The word return in verse 13 carries the idea of going back to a previous place. Now, if you're here today and there's ever been a time and a place where you received Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, the joy, the passion that we felt at that time needs to continue. We need to sometimes go back and be reminded of that. As I prepared this message, I thought back in my childhood, my parents were very 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 active my dad was a a lay preacher my my mother uh, played sometimes the piano for the church we were going to and I remember one time as a little boy uh, I was uh probably six or seven and, and um I was sitting there and, then, and my pastor was away someone was speaking someone else was speaking and uh When he gave, my dad gave the invitation, my brother went forward. And I remember thinking, what's he doing? Because see, as a little kid, I'd learned the Bible verses. I knew about salvation, but it was all kind of head knowledge. And my my brother went forward and received Christ that night. And it really set me to thinking, and about two weeks later, my dad knelt with me beside my bed and led me to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Seven years old, never never been the same since. Not perfectly, of course. I'm still human, just like all of you. But it requires repentance. It requires resolution that we're serious about it. Uh... Because friend, if we are serious about it, there will it will be evident if we make a turn in our life. Now, some people are just not gonna change. And this lady, and I'm not I'm not bashing smoking or anything, but you know, a lot of people try to quit smoking. Well, she's lighting a cigarette off of the candles on her cake, which she's a hundred. I don't think she's gonna change, do you? Probably not. You see, when we when we make turns it's evident. This great big old aircraft carrier is turning, and you can even see in the weight behind it the evidence. And, friend, when I change, when I make a choice for God to change my life and I want to be involved in what he's doing, there's a course correction that occurs. So the first key word is to choose. That's a duh thing. But the second one is correction. Now, in verse 13, it talks about who the Lord is, and I love singing those songs, dear brother, about who the Lord is. In fact, I've been doing a personal study. I finished my last interim. I've been doing interim work as a retired pastor, finished it back in August, and we took some time off, went up uh, to Maine and that area uh, during September, and I I decided to uh, in my personal quiet time, to do a study of the Old Testament names of God, it's quite a fascinating study. And uh, the Lord just impressed on me that I needed to love Him more. Well, you may say, "Wait a minute, you're a preacher." Well, preachers have clay feet too, friends. And just as I can I can be lax a little bit, so can the rest of us. It's important that we. Make a choice that we, through the work of the Spirit of God in our lives, that there is a course correction. But look how it describes him in verse 13. He is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Have you ever wondered why God puts up with you? I wonder sometimes why he puts up with me. But I am grateful. For his goodness and his mercy and in, in verse 13 his attributes are special his actions are special it says who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him a grain offering and a drink offering for the lord your god you know that the locusts haven't eaten but then he, he changes kind of a a direction here um uh, There needs to be, in verse 15, he says, blow the trumpet. Now, you may say, I can't play the trumpet. Well, first of all, let's set it within its context. You know, when we hear someone play, I don't know if y'all have anyone that plays the trumpet. I didn't get the joy of hearing your band today. But, you know, someone who's really good on an instrument can be a real blessing, can't they? Give me one of these. You know, they they bless us with the the gift that God has given them. So um, this is not a trumpet like we think of. The word in the Hebrew is shofar. It's a ram's horn. And it was used for a specific reason to call people together. You saw it in the book of Nehemiah. Do you remember the book of Nehemiah when Nehemiah said the The uh, guy with the the trumpet's going to be with me. And when you hear it, come there. And notice what he says here. He says, blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call a solemn assembly. And I'm not in favor of reading your Bible quickly. I've learned over the years I I get a lot more out of it if I take my time and think about the words. Because I believe that every single word in this book is inspired of God every single one do you know what a solemn assembly is a solemn assembly was a public way of dealing with personal sin <laughs> when i was a young pastor i got thinking about that one time and i thought well you know i just felt like the lord warned us to do because uh, do a solemn assembly because you know when sin begins to be dealt with in my life, I experience personal renewal. When it happens in a church, when people begin to acknowledge their sin and deal with it, revival breaks out every time. And so I got up in the church, I said, you don't know where it was. And I said, tonight we're going to do a solemn assembly. And of course, I could see people looking at each other and what in the world is he talking about? I said, I decided to announce it this morning because I didn't want you to feel like we're, I blindsided you. We're going to confess our sin tonight. Would you like to guess what a big crowd I had that Sunday night? There was almost nobody there. You know why? We don't get excited. There are things we get excited about, but we don't get excited about confessing our sins, especially publicly. Wow. Wow. The third key word is consistency. He's calling for public confession of sin in this verse. Now let me say something. I want you to understand where I'm coming from. I know sometimes y'all do invitations, sometimes you don't. I'm not saying you have to or that you have to every time. But there is something to be said for public invitations because they give an opportunity to cement a decision, a choice. Because what you're doing is you're coming forward in front of people. It takes courage. You're coming in front of people and you're saying, I want to come to know Christ or I want to rededicate my life. I mean, you know, some people uh, do that and it's a life-changing thing. Now, I had a guy one time in a service, you know, when you've been in the ministry for a while, you see a lot. I mean, he was back there and he was amen and carrying on. I couldn't tell, you know, I didn't know him. And then we gave the invitation and he came just down the aisle and he was trying to get people to come with him, that he didn't even know. And I thought, oh man. So he got down the altar and I kind of corralled him and went over to the, the altar, I said, brother, can I help you? And he said, no, let me help you. And I knew why he'd come. His breast smelled of alcohol really bad. Now I was glad he came in a way, but it was a distraction because he wasn't serious. He was inebriated. Friend, we got to make a choice. It's got to be for real. Once we make that choice, it's important that there's a course correction. But there also needs to be consistency. Now, how does that happen? Well, I think sharing what God's doing in our lives helps us. You know why a Sunday school class is important? I mean, you may go to a Sunday school class and they have a lesson on something you've heard all your life. But in walking through that passage together, having that interaction... Even sharing from what's going on in my life cements that decision. And so if you come forward in an invitation or if you're in a, in a um, Sunday school class or even if you have a good friend, uh, my, my wife has two really good friends and she's on the phone with them. They don't live close to us. And in one of them, they get together once a week and they pray together over the phone. And share. And see, that helps cement things into our lives. There is a uh, helping the Spirit of God take what He wants to do and making it long term. There's a seriousness that comes with that. The scope of it is interesting. Did did you notice when I read this? It said uh, verse sixteen: Gather the people, consecrate the congregation, assemble the elders, gather children, even nursing infants. Boy, he's not leaving out anybody, and I mean not anybody, because the next phrase he says, "Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber." And I'm gonna tell you what: When you start interrupting the honeymoon, that's serious stuff. He's saying everybody come, nursing infants. Bridegroom, bride, the point is that we need to move forward together. God did not design us to live the Christian life by ourselves with no interaction with other people. That's one of the great things about the church, friend, is that we need each other. Now, so we cement things by sharing them, deciding publicly. We cement we it by divine perspective. What does God want? And he even talks to the priests, the ministers of the Lord, and, and tells them to weep and to pray for them. But ultimately it comes down to who God is. You see, the good news is that God not only wants us to change, he's willing to help us. Isn't that great? No? <laughs> I believe it is. God wants to change us. He wants to help us. And the fact that he loves us and has given himself for us, the power that God uses in our lives through the Spirit of God, which, by the way, if you receive Christ as your Savior, the Spirit of God lives inside of you. Hello. Hello. What a blessing that is. Every once in a while, God does something just to, I think, to help people, help the world think. Um, Anybody seen that picture before? If you have, raise your hand. Okay, Debbie wrote, I won't raise hers. These are part of the group of Haitian missionaries or missionaries to Haiti, Haiti, I should say, who were kidnapped by this gang. And they said, we want a million dollars for each one, and we're going to kill them. They, they witnessed to their captors, and they were gracious to them. But they began to get the sense, not just as an individual, but as a group that God wanted them to escape. Did you hear about this? Some of you did. I I mean, last week I preached in Stuart, and I preached on that passage uh, in Matthew 2 where uh, Mary and Joseph had to flee. I called it God on the run. Flee with the baby Jesus. Now, you know, God could have done that a lot of different ways. He could have let him stay right there, but God did it to fulfill prophecy. Out of Egypt I have called my son. But they finally felt like they, that they needed to try to escape. And by the way, they had young children. One of them was eight months old. Have you ever tried to keep an eight-month-old quiet? And they finally felt like the Lord said the time is now. And so on this night, they managed to get out the locked door, went past guards with those children, Nobody gave them away. Hello. And walked for miles and miles. It began to dawn, and they were walking along, and bless your heart, guess what they heard? A trumpet. There were two Christians practicing for Sunday morning. I can't help but wonder if it wasn't maybe carol, Christmas carols or something. Man, it, I, even now, the hair stand up on the back of my neck. Friend, God can do whatever he wants to do. And all of them got to safety. Amen. Praise the Lord. And friend, if he can do that in their life, he can do what he wants to do in yours and mine. Don't let the world and the things that are going on in our culture today. I mean, it's discouraging. You can't even watch television. Every commercial bows before the altar of political correctness. That which used to slink down the back alleys parades down Main Street. But friend, God is still God. He is still on the throne and we can live for him in love and joy and peace and power. Let's don't forget that. And in fact, have you ever thought about who God chooses to use? And I'm not being false humility. My wife will tell you. No one is more surprised than me that I became a pastor. I just didn't didn't see it coming. Dr. Tim Keller wrote a book entitled Hidden Christmas, The Surprising Truth Behind the, the Birth of Christ. And he talks about the fact that there's a thread of grace. You know, some people say, well, the Old Testament's law and the New Testament. No, you see grace through the whole thing, friend. There's a thread of grace that runs through the whole Bible. And he says he makes this point this way. I'm going to read an excerpt or two from his book. Quote: In ancient times, when the oldest son always got all the wealth, and the second or younger son had no social status, how. Does God work? Through Abel, not Cain. Through Isaac, not Ishmael. Through Jacob, not Esau. Through Ephraim, not Manasseh. Through David, not his older brothers. And then he adds, at a time when women were valued for their beauty and fertility, God chooses old Sarah, not young Hagar, He chooses Rebecca who can't have children, Hannah who can't have children, Samson's mother who can't have children, Elizabeth, John the Baptist's mother who can't have children. Why? Over and over and over again, God says, I will choose Nazareth. Remember when they came back from Egypt? They were diverted to Nazareth. Now, both of them were from Nazareth, which was not a positive thing. Remember, one of the disciples when he heard about Christ, he said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Oh, man. It was the wrong side of the tracks. It was looked down on. But, friend, I'm telling you, God can use you. He can use this church in this community, and he desires to. But you got to choose what he wants. you got to make the course corrections he wants. And you got to be consistent. If this church is going to be that way, you have to be this way because you're a link in the chain, and your spiritual strength matters. It matters in your family. It matters in your church family. So my encouragement to you today, dear friend, is make changes that God wants that will last. Because God can do what he wants to do. It's important that we invest. You know, when I, I met Debbie, and I told you she was not impressed at 13, but but we uh, dated and became very close. She's, uh, she's my best friend, has been for many, many, many years. We've been married uh, 47 years. And... When I asked her to marry me, I I did not have a ring. I was, I I told people I was raised poor, but I didn't know it until I got out from home, and because my dad always acted like we had so much, I thought we were doing pretty good. But she had a birthday coming up, and I I decided I was going to give her a ring. And so, uh, my (laughs) interesting, my best friend uh, was was uh, going to get married too, so we both went shopping for rings, and boy, those little boogers cost money. You know what I'm saying? And we went to this little jewelry store in Archdale, North Carolina, and uh, we picked out the rings, and we signed the paper saying we'd make the payments on the rings. And uh, so when I got the ring finally, and it was coming up time for her birthday, I decided to give it to her for her birthday. And I wanted it to be uh, unique, you know. So uh, y'all ever heard of Cracker Jacks? Yeah, yeah, well, I got a box of Cracker Jacks, and I opened it up, and I emptied out, the, well, actually, I ate the Cracker Jacks, but anyway, any rate, I, I opened the Cracker Jacks, and I put a note in there, and little pebbles, and I sealed it back up, and I wrapped it as a, a gift, and of course, when I gave it to her, it was kind of heavy, and she was like, hmm, and she began to open it, and she saw it was Cracker Jacks, and of course, she was thrilled, as you can imagine, and uh, she kind of looked at me like, what in the world, and uh She opened the Cracker Jacks, and that note inside said, Oh, I'm sorry, I ate all the Cracker Jacks, but I saved you the prize. It's in the glove compartment. We were sitting outside of a restaurant. I was taking her to eat for her birthday. She liked it. (laughs) Now, you know, nobody had to browbeat me, (coughs) had to shame me into giving her a ring. You know why? I loved her. I invested in her. And, friend, think how much God has invested in us because of his love. Think about that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. God has invested heaven's best. Don't you think he deserves investment from us? I plead with you to be investing in the work of God here where he's placed you. Follow your leaders with joy. Trust God to do things that only God can do. I long to see God doing things only God can do. Let's bow together in prayer. Now, perhaps you have thought at this point that, of a thing or two that God has spoke to your heart about. And I don't pretend to be the Holy Spirit here, friend. I don't know what God wants you to do. But if there's ever come a time when you made the choice to follow Christ and invited him into your life, that he wants to be active in there in your life friend if you're here to today and you've never received Christ or you're not sure about it we can settle it right here this morning But maybe you're here and God has just put something on your heart that perhaps you may want to come and pray at the altar about I, I'm not here again to be the Holy Spirit for you but we're going to Sing, I guess a hymn of invitation. Are you want to, sing? yeah. And when we do, I invite you, as the Lord leads you, to come. I'm gonna be down front. I have a mass, so I, I, I'll make sure you're safe. And if you want to come, talk to me. I'd be honored to pray with you, or whatever I can do to encourage you to follow God with all your heart. Just as Joel told those people, return to the Lord with all your heart. That's how we need to live today. And so, should we stand, brother? That'd be good. Let's stand together and let's sing. And you just do what God tells you to do, okay? I'm here if you need me. May the Lord bless you.